Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast and my word, ladies and gentlemen, we have turned 21. This is an emotional time. It's great to be here. Um, I guess this week is another guest, similar to, to, to Mike Skinner last week that I had a lot of requests for and it's such an, it was so amazing to sit down and talk. We've never really sat down and talked. We've known each other a while. We've known of each other a while, but never sat down and talked properly. It's Mr. Frank Turner. Um, before I get into that, sponsors we are brought to you today by speech development records the best independent record label in the world or the one that i run and am on and you know helps pay for this podcast and keep it free for you so check us out speech development records.com head to scroobiuspip.co.uk and you can also get on the web store that way or um you can also play a game called bash the beard where you hit the space bar or whatever and you make a mini version of me's beard grow and then as it lifts my feet off the ground you have to kind of stop me falling over um so that's there too but our other sponsor is squarespace.com who they're great they're a a website building tool basically um and i built screwbizpip.co.uk on that website on, on 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 squarespace um so even if you are just heading to that first sponsor you can get an idea of what the website looks like and how it's crazy that i built that when i've got no knowledge of internet stuff at all um Basically, my previous website was a bit clunky. It didn't work on mobile phones properly. It kind of looked a bit ugly. Um, or no, it looked beautiful, but was really hard to, to navigate. So I thought I'd have a look at squarespace.com after hearing it on another podcast. And it was amazing. I built it in probably an hour or so, if that. Um, and the beauty is you can try it out and build your website before you commit to anything so that's kind of cool you can you build and then yeah you're there it's simple powerful and beautiful and they have 24 7 support with a live chat thing which i used on i was a bit confused on the e-commerce kind of side of it but i chatted to them and they helped with that you can also email um as the problem with my own website i mentioned was my old one was that it didn't work on mobile phones and with this you just build it in their template for the desktop and it automatically converts and builds a separate one for mobile phones for for online um on s- smartphones so yeah it's pretty cool man i recommend you check it out it's eight eight dollars a month or whatever that works out as um and you get a free domain if you buy it squarespace for a year you also get a free a uh, online store um and and loads of other just cool stuff um the really good part is you can get 10% off your first purchase because you listen to this show. That's that's the only reason. If you enter the word PIP, that's the code word, P-I-P, that's the offer code. Um, number one, you get 10% off. And number two, you show that we sent you there and you heard about them f- th- through us. And, you know, it helps us out. It, it, sh- it shows that you're supporting the Distraction Pieces podcast. So I recommend you do that, you know, however you're... Just anything. If you've got a little club, are you and your friends and you want a, a, a website that you want to make up for it? If you've got a business, if you've got a hobby, anything, it's really easy. So, yeah, I recommend you do that. Squarespace.com. And we thank them for supporting the Distraction Pieces podcast. On to this week's guest. It's Frank Turner. And it was an, a genuinely a, a one of the greatest pleasures I've had on the podcast. Um, and me and Frank have kind of known each other over email, over Twitter and things like that for a while, but never actually sat down and talked. And it was amazing to realise how similar our lives have been, basically, our growing up, our youths. Um, 
apart from the the the, the going to a really good school bit but um we discuss everything so hopefully you'll enjoy that i'll be back at the end with information on the other guest this week i've forgotten to even mention that we're doing two podcasts uh, this week so i'll be back at the end with more information on that um yeah see you in a bit There's, as ever, the, there's no real format or plan. But, cool. um, so, do you, do you need me to chat. not swear while we do no, this? No, you can swear okay. all you fucking like. It's um, nice. I'm here with F- F- Frank Turner. How are you doing? I'm, I'm great, thank you. I'm very happy to be here talking to you. It's good to have you. I've kind of planned out the interview a bit, but I've already th- thrown out a window because of, of, of where you were l- last night. That feels like a great place to start. Obviously, yeah. this will be two, three weeks on from that. But, okay. But, but, but last night you were at 12 Bar. Um, yeah. What's the deal with it? Obviously, tell, obviously... Denmark Street is a legendary place in yeah. music. I remember a, a, a being someone who isn't from London. I remember as soon as I got into playing guitar and instruments and everything in general, it was you know uh, you'd you'd go there on a pilgrimage to Denmark Street right. to to get your kit to get your stuff. Um, yeah, totally. So what's going well, on? I mean, well, jumping in on that, yeah, completely. I mean, I grew up in in Hampshire in the south, and um, I've I've always had this plan, which I've never quite got round to yet, to write a song about the northbound Northern Line platform at Waterloo Station because yeah. when your train got in on a Saturday afternoon because yeah. you bought your ticket with a young person's rail card yeah, and you can stand that platform and you're either heading Tottenham Court Road to go yeah. to 12 Bar Guitar Shops um, the Astoria, Astoria whatever, or you're going to Camden to go oh, to the market Borderline yeah, can, yeah, yeah. yeah and one of those two but it's that northbound platform on the northern line yeah. it was just, it just feel like life was kind of exciting and yeah worth, completely it was everything something. there that's where yeah. you're and it's weird how as a youngster, I kind of hated it, but now I grow up, I kind of admire it in a way, how the further north on the northern line you go as you're heading towards Camden, the more it is just everyone is clearly just going to Camden from yeah, the yeah. way they dress, from their age, from everything. And as a youngster, I was like, oh, this is, so, this is it's such a cliche and so annoying. Yeah, but yeah. then in a world where, because of the internet, you don't really have that many people passionate about one g- genre, which is a good thing, I think. There's people into all sorts of stuff. I kind of... I find it kind of heartwarming that there's still that that Camden look and scene yeah. and, and I, trip of going I, on that line. I love it. I mean, there's a, there's a there's a real kind of there's a bit of a kind of hipster snobbery about Camden about how oh, yeah. it's so low my old rockers and stuff. Yeah, and it just personally, it's just kind of like you know I live near Camden now, and it's just yeah, it has its own thing, its own identity. It's people who like music with guitars, and yeah. it's not any more complicated than that. Yeah, and and that's me. I like music with it's guitars. Really simple, isn't it? So so I'm I'm in. But yeah, so so the twelve bar. So you know the story's gone, obviously. Um, and Madame Jojo's is gone, and Selector Disc is gone. You used to hang out yeah. there all the time, yeah. and just kind of the reasons for people to go to Soho if you're somebody's into sort of alternative or independent or underground culture are dying off one by yeah, one. They dropped, and um, and the Twelve Bar's going. Uh, well, I mean, technically speaking, it's already gone, although it's now squatted. Um, and uh, I got an, I got a tweet. Um, uh, at the end of last week, uh, a guy just saying, oh, it'd be really cool if you played at the 12 bar. And we were chatting on this one, it says, like, a lot of the time Twitter is either frivolous or kind of a, kind of aggressive, antagonistic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but every now and again, something really cool comes through. And I just saw that and I thought to myself, actually, yeah, you know what, it would. It would yeah. be cool. So um, I sort of replied, ended up getting some emails on the go. And then on Monday morning, we were still talking about a day and I was like, well, look, I'm on my way back to London now. What about tonight? 
Yeah. Okay. And the guys from Super Jam who are organising it said, um, yeah, why not? And uh, kind of got on the tube with my guitar and went down. And I didn't really know what to expect at all. Yeah. Um, and it was rammed and they had a community meeting talking about the squat and um, oh, fighting the bailiffs and that kind of thing. And then I played a bunch of songs. And, um, and you know, I, I managed to get sort of like some enemy and evening standard coverage on it. And it's just... I don't want to be overly pessimistic. I'm, I'm not convinced the 12 bar is going to survive in the long term. I think yeah. that it's probably a losing battle. But the thing is, losing battles is worth fighting sometimes because it's a way of standing yeah, that's, up. That's a key, a key thing that people need, need to know, that you, sh- you don't only fight battles to win. You fight right. battles because you believe in this. Well, and to it, win it, or lose, you'll you, you go out on your shield. Yeah, and, and, you, and you make a statement that yeah. says that you stand in the middle of the tide that's flowing the other way and you, yeah. and you brace yourself and you kind of go... I've got a problem with this. Yeah. This isn't how I think the the world should be going. And um and and it was just it was also, you know, I I always think that there's for gigging there's this kind of like platonic ideal of a punk rock show somewhere yeah. in the ether which is a small graffiti covered sweaty room rammed to the gills of people singing along and bodies flying yeah, yeah, and sweat yeah, yeah. peeling off the walls. And and you never it's never quite perfect but last night wasn't far off. Nice. Yeah. That's so amazing. It was a good time. And it's great. I think there's you touched upon a thing with tw- a, t- a Twitter there. I think People can forget how what a great tool it is, and the internet in general. Not to sound like an old man, but the fact that you can access and contact everything now, and yeah. we and we underutilize that hugely. We generally go on there to look at porn or still music or whatever you choose or, to do, or, or complain and call someone a twat. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing with Twitter. I think it's weird. People um, get angry um, at people. I think. Hang on, I'm just going to put my f- f- phone on airplane mode. I normally yeah, yeah. do that beforehand. <laughs> I can only apologise. Um, people get angry um, when people who have a lot of f- followers complain um, about about abuse and things like that. But the fact is, Twitter, I think, and I'm not quite there yet, but I think there's a certain tipping point where it it loses a lot of its appeal and love, not just because of abuse. Um, I chat every now and then on, on Twitter with Ed Sheeran, who isn't the most credible name to drop here but he used to, <laughs> to come along to, to my shows and he's a yep. nice kid he's huge so every now and then I will chat and that's what exposed me to the fact that people of his size or any real big size can post um, the most heart-wrenching true thing and they will get a thousand responses just saying follow me yeah and completely ignoring what's what's being said so aside from the fact that, that you'll also attract a lot of abuse and people who just want to yeah, yeah. hate even the positive side even the bit that are your adoring fans when you get to a certain point they're not there to actually engage and, right, and, and listen to what you're saying so you can't even argue that you know a few people abuse you but you've got millions of fans it's like yeah but it's it stops being real, you've become a product or a badge. Yeah. Well, I think I think the thing is, there's there's basically there's only so many people you can have a conversation with at one time, yeah. and a Twitter is a sort of aggrandized conversation in a way, or at least that's what it should be at its best. Yeah. But if you're Ed Sheeran and you've got you know a couple of million followers, you can't have a conversation with a couple of million no, people at the same no. time. It's not doable. That that kind of that culture of validation, I find pretty depressing as well. Do you know what it's I mean? Bizarre. Where, I don't. And again, it makes me feel like an old man because because yeah. literally, I'll I'll have this at points. So I'll I'll ask people what. What, why do you want me to follow you? A follow is a click of a button. I'm happy to engage and have a conversation right. with you. Surely that yeah. should be a 
a, a, a bigger goal than yeah, well, the act to follow. The, and playing shows, I'm sure you get this as well. And, and there was one guy doing it last night. And I and I don't want to kind of kill the mood by sort of being all sort of schoolmastery about it. But there's yeah. guys in the front row turning around taking selfies of themselves. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a bit kind of like there's a gig happening right here. Yeah. There's a, which and and it, and at its best, a gig is a, is a communication. It's a conversation between people. It's a sharing of yeah, ideas. Completely. It's what art is. And you've just completely gone and like stuck a. A stick in the spokes of all of that because yeah. you've made it about you recording yourself yeah, being in the same completely. place. Completely, I've, I've in the early days of putting on gigs before I even had much of a name of, of putting on other bands. I've thrown people out before because I saw a girl sitting on the front of the stage, or not even taking a picture at that point, but, but but sitting on the front of the stage while someone's performing. So you're sitting yeah. with your back <laughs> to someone. <laughs> it's it's a text like, message, yeah. How rude is that? But equally, yeah. um, I know, and I'm sure someone will be listening now who. Thinks that they've met me and I've been rude to them, but yeah. I, I love and we'll get on to supports because that's kind of one of the ways that, that that we connected. But I love the support acts I take with me on tour, and yeah. I love to watch them. I love to to choose an act really carefully and then see that the crowd get it and it was the right choice and it works. So yeah. I'll watch a lot of the support, but I don't. I refuse to have my photo taken then because there's someone on stage pouring their heart <sighs> out. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll stand at the merch booth at the end for hours, yeah, just as long I, as you yeah. want. But I don't... And people have got really annoyed with me in the past, but it's like if someone's on stage just put, pouring their heart out, blood, sweat and tears, yeah. and then they the, the moment they open their you know, squeeze shut, impassionate eyes, they look out and see me posing with someone, having a photo. It's like, yeah. it's rude no, and no, disheartening. No, I, I, I had that just the other day. I did some shows last week for Independent Venue Week and in Manchester Night and Day. Great venue, love yeah, it. Yeah, Round out. And um, Esme Patson, who's was playing, who's brilliant. Uh, do you know Esme? She's no, just done, written this incredible record that's written from the point of view of women in famous songs. So oh, wow. Billie Jean, um, she did uh, Jolene. That's a fantastic yeah. idea. Yeah, really, really great singer. She well, was... We've got a, th- a, th- a thing on the podcast now where if you're listening on the Acast app, we can add links. So right, we'll yeah, have yeah. a link now to, just straight to yeah, that. Cause she's, that's, yeah, she's that's brilliant. A, that's just as a concept. That's yeah. genius. And she's got the voice to end all voices as well, and she's a great guitar player and all the rest of it. I went out to watch a bit of her set because I'd not seen her live before, but there isn't really like a side stage to watch from anything like yeah, that night yeah, and day. Yeah. There's just sort of a corridor where there's yeah. people. And, and I ended up just going back down to the dressing room at the end just because this sort of queue formed of people looking for a photo. Yeah. And as you say, after the gig, I spent an hour taking photos, shaking yeah. hands, hanging out, chatting, having a drink with anybody who asked. But there and then it's like when someone's on stage some, they're on stage but also it's like I'm doing something my brain is engaged you can see because yeah. I'm not talking my eyes are pointing that way yeah completely in a completely a, a selfish way as well I yeah. want to watch this yeah, I right. think I, I, it's my opinion that you should be watching this as well yeah, but yeah. I'm not your dad yeah. but right. in, you know in, in no other way it's kind of I'm, I'm, I want to enjoy this yeah, and right. this and, and, and if you're not interested in watching this person play which is a completely legitimate thing to do there is the entirety of creation minus this little 20 yeah. metre long room yeah. in which you could be and exist there's even just the back of the fucking room go and have your conversation over there Right here, there's something happening. There's art happening. I love that. I love that. I, I, um, I, I had a, a, an argument with a, f- a friend recently that, that caused us to stop talking f- for a bit. Not, it wasn't a real big thing, but because I was saying how I think people who who, who use their phone in the cinema are scum. Um, and, and, <laughs> and it was deemed that that was too harsh a term. But it's that exact thing of there's a million places that you could be right now other than here. If, yeah. You know, if you need to do something, that's fine, but don't be here. And it's the same with a gig. If, you, yeah. if you're at a gig, there's a bar next door. There's there's bars. Like If you want to just hang out and chat, I completely endorse that. But 
this is yeah, just something just amazing happening the way that you're that's happening once. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Which is why live gigs are so much better in the studio, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah is that like every night is completely you create anew. Do you know yeah. what I mean? As I've just finished making a new record and. I'm I'm happy with it. It sounds good and all the rest of it, but I hate recording simply because every single you you sing it and you know this is the definitive way it's going to be sung. Yeah. Every kid's going to listen to it at home on their stereo, and when they come to a show, that's how they're going to expect it to be yeah. heard. But it's like, but this is just how I felt today. Yeah. I completely. might and it's tiny things, little bits of rhythm, melody, whatever. But it's going to be different tomorrow. I was, I was, I was discussing this a couple of weeks ago with uh, Mike Skinner. Um, I'm going to spoil it now. It was actually uh, yesterday when we recorded this. That's why it's so fresh <laughs> in my memory. But a, a couple of weeks ago in the world of podcast. Um, and yeah, I, I genuinely, it took me ages to learn that an album is finished about a year after it's released, in my opinion. I think yeah. all of them songs oh, I yeah, play yeah. live and that's the version I know. And it's so weird that people will, like if, if, if I'm out somewhere and one of my songs come on, number one, oh, one, I'm never comfortable with that. But number two, it's always like, shit, is that how this goes? Because yeah, that's, yeah. that's not how this goes. This isn't yeah. the version I know, yeah, yeah, the yeah. version I play every Completely. night. Well, I've got a song called Photosynthesis that was on, we recorded in 2008, and the way that me and my boys play it now is so radically different from yeah. the recorded version. Yeah. I mean, it's got the same sort of basic structure and melody and all yeah, that. The yeah. instrumentation is just... And, like, yeah, again, that somebody... Uh, somebody, I, I gave someone permission to use it on, like, a charity video or something the other day, and I watched it to watch the video, but when watching the, listening to the song, it was like... Fucking hell! Yeah, I don't remember this at all. What, no. the, what the hell is this? It's bizarre, isn't it? As well, <laughs> um, another thing we touched on. I'm just repeating myself now on podcast, but it's fascinating. Is how um, if fans will request a song, um, and there will be certain songs that I've done that I don't know. You know, I, that song happened once. I don't play all of the songs in the yeah. live sets regularly. Yeah, yeah. It's that you know that. So there's certain things. It's a bizarre thing to get your head round that there's something that you did five, six, seven a, a years ago in a studio once and maybe played a couple of times like that someone else has heard hundreds of times and knows it inside and out and it's like that's that's beautiful but it's also hard for them to get their head round well how can you not know it you wrote it it's like yeah yeah yeah, but that was a moment in time yeah (laughs) it was a while back I've done something I've done a couple of times and it's always a bit of a gamble is if you're doing like charity shows or Twitch shows secret shows whatever you do a um, pass around bucket and people can buy a request yeah so you you want to hear a song you chuck a couple of quid in the bucket and I'll play it the problem is though is that the songs people request are always ones exactly like that you don't play I haven't played for three or four years or whatever and it's just kind of like um I think it's an E. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, uh, when we had our, our second album out, me and Dan Lassac, we did a gig at Madame Jojo's, in fact. Um, and it was, oh no, was it the Baudelaire? We did a few kind of warm-up pre-tour ones. I think the one I'm thinking of is actually the Baudelaire one. Um, and I'd really practised all the new songs because I was like, right, we've never played these live, I need to get on them. And then hadn't thought about practising all the old yeah. songs we've played hundreds <laughs> of times, but therefore haven't played in a month or two. And we started... A, a look for the woman and it's got to the point where I'm meant to come in couldn't think of the words so I was like hang on sorry all joked of it let's start again start again couldn't get it started the third time and I saw this guy Keith Clark who's been to over 70 of our shows now I think and it was perfect because I literally went what's the first line Keith and he went heads in a mess I was like, and as soon as I had the first line <laughs> I was fine yeah. but it was just great yeah. to get that cue from a fan yeah. and, and an audience member uh, totally. right, I've got it I've got it I've got it yeah it's muscle memory from that point completely as, well, as soon yeah, as you've yeah. got that first part it just flows naturally yeah, yeah totally um, I mean we touched upon two things there which I think lead to one of my f- favourite m- moments and an important part that we need to discuss um, we talked about kind of 
having a specific a way you wish the crowd to act mm. and we talked about supports and one of my favourite things ever was when you kindly asked us to, to come and play with you at Wembley um, was watching Beans on Toast beforehand who I've seen thousands of times yeah. and seeing him start a song and have the whole of Wembley because again it's the beautiful thing people got in early people were there for everything and it's a beautiful thing that you've built up and a lot of acts now build up that the fan base know to get there early to watch everything and he starts the song and then he stops it because the crowd have started to clap and he's like yeah. no 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 it's not that kind of you know it, it ruins the rhythm <laughs> you go out of time and it's, it is a classic yeah, thing yeah. there's very few crowds who will clap in time oh, yeah, yeah. consistently particularly if it's just guitar and there's no drums yeah, yeah. or no anything else yeah. so that was one of my favourite things to it. see he's, him yeah. just have Wembley clapping along to his song and he's yeah. like no 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 can you stop that <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it he's it? got his line about can you save all your claps and do them all in one big go at the end yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's perfect <laughs> but I love Jay, Jay I mean Jay's one of the guys who convinced me to try playing acoustic guitar having been in punk and hardcore bands yeah, and stuff yeah. so and we've played a million shows together and we toured together loads and so oh, having oh, on, what a voice yeah and what yeah, and, and what a songwriter and what a soul yeah. you know um, he got married in December it was amazing at my favourite wedding I've ever been to actually because it was so Jay and Lizzie, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was yeah, just yeah, like they yeah, had yeah. they had um, they had Johnny Manning on an upright piano playing Madness songs. Wow! And it was just you know what I mean. It was so like perfect. not formal or whatever. Yeah, it was yeah, an yeah, old yeah. musical and but um but yeah. So getting Jay on the Wembleyville was important for, partly because I want to say thanks to Jay and I, you know acknowledge his existence and all the rest of it. But also what I loved about what he did for that show it was that was my first show playing in an arena and it was a weird one because. I think most people used to see me somewhere more like a 12 bar kind of yeah, thing yeah. and and what was great about Jay was that he made everyone kind of relax yeah, and, and go oh yeah it is just another gig it's alright it's yeah, just it's another gonna be show fun. we're going to have a good time because Jay's just wandered out fucked up his first song forgot the words to the second one yeah, then yeah. played his song Hello Wembley did a Mexican wave he, he overran his set <laughs> he overran his set and my, my tech had to come out and just be like oh, I'm really sorry man but like you're done you and gotta, gotta stop <laughs> yeah so he put his guitar down dived into the crowd crowd surfed to the back doors but he left his backstage pass on stage and the yeah. guys the security guys were going to kick him out and he was like I'm, I'm, I just played and they're like just yeah, up bollocks there. whatever yeah this barefoot like sort of hippie punk comes crowd surfing towards him no no it was it was a him. beautiful moment but yeah I always pick my sports you know and it's, yeah. I think it's a really important thing to me I don't want somebody to buy if it's 20 quid to get into a gig yeah. I want people to get 20 quid worth of entertainment and I want them to not have to like tolerate two shit yeah. bands that the record label Completely. bought onto the bill because the fact is I mean all of us will do a lot or acts like us will do a lot to keep a ticket price is down. Right. But the bigger the shows becomes the bigger the production and the more you want to put on and the more you want to do, therefore prices will rise at points and that's kind of out of your control in in, in many ways. And, and, and with the way... Um, musicians are only earning from touring now and things yeah, like yeah. that. There's, yeah. there's many reasons. So I think the job of the artist is exactly that, to say, look... You're getting your money's worth. I promise you. I yeah, promise you this. Totally. It'll be it'll be a hell of a show. Yeah. Well, and also, as, as again, I'm sure you you, you would agree with, is, is spreading words on bands that you think deserve more kudos. Because I, I absolutely do not believe that the sort of hierarchy of bands in terms of like pulling power matches the hierarchy of bands in terms mm. of talent at all. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's tons of bands that I've taken. I mean, Larry and his flask, punk man from Oregon that I took out on tour a couple of times, yeah. who I th are currently on hiatus, which breaks my heart to say, but they. Why they're not the biggest band in the whole world is yeah. a complete fucking mystery to me because I have never seen a band who are that good on record and live ever anywhere, and 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 so and so you take them out and then and it's great as well because it makes you try harder as well because you stand on the side of the stage and you watch their set and you kind of go, fuck. Yeah, I've had that with, with 
Bea Dolan and Kate Tempest are the two that, that for me, amazing. have been the most just yeah. w- watching them and going, you know, it's nice that this is my tour. I know everyone here is buying my and knows who I am, but just watching them and going, I've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. I've got, you know, there's a lot of improving that can be done. And yeah, that's yeah. that's an inspirational yeah, yeah. thing, man. She's still in my crowd. She's yeah, still yeah, in my exactly, crowd. exactly. But in an excited way. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yes, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I want to. F- fight her to get them back I want to battle this yeah and it makes you better at what you do and then also and the the greatest thing in the world is you then see that them come around six months later and play the venue you just played and they're having their own show which is how it should be and like well Jay did you know Jay sold out Electric Ballroom the other day it's crazy Beans on Toast sold out Electric Ballroom it's a sign of the end times I swear to god but like I couldn't have been happy when I heard about that. It's the hard work and grafting. It's, it's, it's the Billy Ch- Ch- Childish thing. I always loved going to see Billy Childish in pubs. And then I saw him, I think he was supporting F- F- Fugazi at the Forum or somewhere big once. And I was like, this is the weirdest gig because it's Billy Childish who has... Yeah. Is, he's, I, I, I relate that to Beans on Toast. That kind of, he's built that reputation of being the best guy you, you'll see in the pub kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, totally, you know, totally. It was, was an that, amazing scene. Was it? that when Fugazi did like Three Night Stand at the Forum? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I, was yeah, all, yeah I was at it. the third one of them. Yeah, I'm not sure which one I was at. Yeah. That could have been the same one. Yeah, but, yeah. but what a show as well! Oh my God. I just thought the the way a Billy Childish that just kind of set up as if they were in a pub. Like they yeah. took up a yeah, tiny yeah. amount of stage. Just yeah. when it's what we're used to, and then obviously Fugazi came and were Fugazi, which was yeah. absolutely <laughs> amazing. Um, just, I mean, speaking of 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 of, um, of putting people on that inspire you, also at the Wembley show. Was Mr. Billy Bragg, who's Good old Bill. just Uncle, Uncle Bill? Yeah, he's just you know I I think yeah he's just he's one of the best there ever has been or will yeah, be. Yeah, one one of one of the things about Bill that I I feel very strongly about is I think that he's a much better songwriter than he's sometimes given credit for because everybody concentrates on the politics, on the politics side of what yeah, he does. Completely. Now I completely respect the politics side of what he does. I think it's valiant and worthy and all the rest of it. But I think that. You know, songs like Brickbat, um, Levi Stubbs Tears, stuff like that. I think they're yeah. some of the best crafted and lyrically and musically songs that I know. Yeah. And people don't talk about that enough. I think they just talk about that more. I completely agree. And the fact, I mean, I remember the first time we supported a billion. Again, it was a huge honour he'd kind of asked us to do at the Roundhouse. I was at that show. So it, it was it was amazing because I really enjoyed that because it was a tough show because we came out with electronics. Yeah. And the crowd at first were like... Why haven't they just got a guitar, kind of thing? And it, yeah. it was it was beautiful to win them over. But then um, I was I was one of them. I went into that show, no idea who you guys were. Yeah. Came out of it going, wow, that that's was great. Because that's band. it. I mean, I I, I love the challenges. Yeah. I, I like that, and I love that Billy saw something in us that he didn't care that it's not just a guitar band thing. But the thing that that blew me away was again, I went out and watched the show afterwards, and I had to get all the way back to Essex. I think they'll stay for a couple of songs. I stayed for the full two hours of just him and a guitar. And yeah. again, that's a hugely underrated thing that he can hold a crowd and have a captivating, yeah. exciting show without a band, without anything else, just Absolutely. him and a guitar. And yeah, no, I love that. I mean, I, I remember Amazing. one of one of the, there's a singer called Josh Rouse, um, an American country singer. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, I grew up listening to like metal, thrash, punk, hardcore, and that kind of thing. And I yeah. came to sort of country and folk music later in life, but um, and mainly because my friend John, who plays bass in Pale Horse, who are a doom sludge band, Excellent. gave gave me a loose records compilation of country songs yeah. and um, and the American recording series by Johnny Cash. But um, on the loose records thing, there was a Josh Rouse song. Then I found out he was playing the borderline. And I thought, fuck it, yeah, I'll go I down. And it was just him and the guitar on stage for two hours. And I'd never really seen a show like that before. Yeah. And he played 
it, he was just magical, utterly, utterly captivating. Yeah. And um, and I kind of walked away from it with like the way that I think about music and about how you can engage crowd. Because before that, you know, I mean, I was still pretty young. I was like 18, 19 or something. Yeah. But before that, the way to engage crowd for me was to turn everything up and scream and jump into the crowd and go, ah, and grab yeah. people by the throat. And, and it was and, like... And there's a time and a place f- yeah, for that. There of definitely course, is. Of course. <laughs> but yeah, and it was, just, it, it was just amazing to see him do that and then and kind of go... Huh. Okay. Right. There's another way of doing this, and sometimes that, that was exactly what I had with a, a, a Billy at that sh- that show. Was that right? He's he's not. I don't know. He's loose. He's enjoying it. Yeah. But but when it he needs to turn it on, it's one of the most captivating and emotional and yeah. and one of the hardest shows at points. Just just smashing it out. So yeah. Yeah. I think you just well, and I think that's a, that's another thing about feeling comfortable on stage is just such a. If if you are able to do that, I quite often get kids emailing me, kids, people, sorry, yeah. uh, emailing me asking, you know, about, oh, I want to get into playing guitar, or I've just started playing guitar, and you've got any tips and all that kind of thing. And it's just like, if you look like you're relaxed and you're comfortable on stage, even if you're not actually, yeah. but if you just kind of look like that's where you're supposed to be, yeah, then that the audience relax as well, and completely, they're on your side. Completely, and, there's, I've I've always it's always surprises people that I'm a big a fan of Lil Wayne and the reason for being a fan of Lil Wayne is I've never heard anyone sound so comfortable in the studio right. and, and again it's, 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 it's two sides of the same a coin I think it's hearing someone on the mic who's that relaxed and that comfortable and then yeah on stage it's a, a similar thing I've, I think that's always been an advantage I've had of I've, I feel like I'm excited to be up there it's like yeah. this is the bit of the day I've been looking forward yeah, to yeah, totally. the, the one yeah. time I remember feeling nervous was in a sound check at our last tour we did a two nights at Coco right. and, and Billy agreed to come out and do one song in our set so not even a full thing just he came and did to have and to have not with me and Itch and Dan all taking a verse each and right. stuff like that and that's the first time in ages I was like shit because it's yeah. all good to be emailing back and forth and knowing these people but it's yeah. nerve wracking to then go yeah, I'm yeah. actually up here with uh, with Billy Bragg yeah no completely um, well, I've gone on a bit, uh, about him a lot but incidentally we're doing I'm doing this the first time I'm doing two of these podcasts in one week so you're on today and tomorrow I'm doing Billy Bragg because oh, I want nice. to I think it's just that it sits nicely together and the two of you have got s- such a joint uh, p- position in my in my mind and associations yeah. b- b- because of Wembley and because of I think a Billy was the first person that that, that mentioned a you to me as well so right. it's kind of yeah, yeah but he's, nice he's done and I'm, I'm far from the only one and you'd say the same I'm sure like he, he's such a great soul and such a great inspiration in terms of continuing to like talk about new music find out about yeah. new music spread the word Completely. like I mean one of my favourite songwriters ever is Loud and Wainwright III I think the guy yeah. is a stone cold genius but like I read an interview with him the other day and he was just kind of like I'm fucking old I don't care about new music yeah. and the thing is that, he's earned the right to say that, yeah, so fair fine. enough, legit. But by contrast, Bill's just kind of like, he's always... So I heard about Kate Tempest through him. It's his awareness of the. it's always going to be the young... Like, and particularly, it's, I think it's because he's so political as well, it's that awareness that a younger voice is always going to have the ear of, of, of the younger people. And that's, yeah. you know, in a, in a way that a Billy Bragg or whoever may not be able to. They'll have the ear of some or, or will be won over to it. But if you see Kate Tempest up there looking like she's just strolled off the same estate that you've grown up on. Yeah, yeah. It's far more relatable yeah. and connectable. So so how was 
that was Wembley, man. It's, I mean, <laughs> for me, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Thank you again for oh, no, no, mate, inviting was, us along was, to be so part happy of it. You guys said yes, man. It was beautiful. How how was that though to go from uh, places like Twelve Bar? Obviously, it's as, uh, it's not as quick a journey yeah. as that. But, but to go from you know growing up doing smaller venues, and even I'd imagine. If, if I, I I think we had similar kind of taste in music growing up. The gigs I was go, going to weren't particularly at Wembley, weren't particularly, right. you know, they were at smaller venues. So how was it to then go, shit, look where I am, it was, look at this? It was weird, but it was cool. In, I, I had went through a lot of different feelings about yeah. it, to be honest. Um, I mean, yeah, I'd never, I realised I'd never been to an arena show before I played one. That's um, crazy. Which, which is a weird thing to That's say. That's like the whole thing of, of Jordan has, has written more books yeah, yeah. than she's read. <laughs> <laughs> I've played more <laughs> arena shows than I've been to. I actually, I state. definitely have. That's yeah. great. That's brilliant. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and it's, you know, and I mean, for me, the Astoria was always the hallowed ground. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, Million Dead played there a bunch of times, and I played there solo a bunch of times, but I never headlined the Astoria. Yeah. And that, that will always be a sadness to yeah, me. Yeah, of course. That, uh, that that place went before I got to have my name on the little marquee yeah. out the front of whatever. I'm the same. I had Astoria 2 I managed yeah. to do, but never. Yeah, never I, I played I played Frog, the club night at Astoria yeah. 2. We yeah, never yeah. did a regular gig there. But I saw, so I remember seeing Propagandi at, at LA2 in yeah. like 2002. Two probably yeah. it was one of the best kids I've ever seen in my life. Anyway, um, the vandals yeah. at, 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 at LA2 as well. Yeah, we're going to go back and forth now on the same gigs. Um, Gut a mouth in support. Oh, jeez. I was, anyway. da- I was at that show. Yeah, it was a hell I was of a at show, that man. show, and I remember <laughs> that I left a little bit early because there was a gig at the um, Red Eye happening that night as well, which was Nine Bar and Special Move. Amazing. And and I got and I nipped up town to catch the end of like I think it was Nine Bar by the time I got yeah, there. Yeah. A UKC show, and I felt like I was way punker than everyone yeah, at the Vandal yeah, show because yeah, yeah, I got yeah. out to go to UKC but just, show. Oh, after leave, I've got no yeah, one. Sorry, I've got to go somewhere way more cool than this. Um, I love but, it. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so Wembley. I mean, um, you know, and I, I sort of had some sleepless nights about wondering whether or not it was the right move, and you know, should we just do multiple nights at Hammersmith or something? Yeah. Um, but in the end, it was just kind of like because what I the level that I operate at now and have done for a few years is so wildly over and above the kind of ceiling of my perceived ambition when I was a kid because yeah, yeah again Fugazi that was the band I wanted to be when yeah, I was a kid yeah. or or um you know I mean not even no effects that's the band I wanted yeah, to be in when yeah, I was a kid yeah. you know and 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 it's so kind of I've kind of surpassed that level not artistically or worthwise just in no, terms of I number com- of people completely know what you mean it's, yeah it's and, a weird thing when you realize you've exceeded your idols in in pool it, again it's maybe only in your local area or in your country yeah. or whatever but it's, that's it's, a bizarre feeling yeah it's a very strange feeling and and um but yeah so but with with all that the attitude that I try and take to everything now and this is the same thing that, that the reason I did that Olympic opening ceremony thing as well is it's just it's kind of like you know what life's short and fuck it might as well as as long as as long as you're not sort of like you know walking around sort of with your ass out with a Coca-Cola sign in your forehead yeah. or whatever you know it's you get an opportunity to do something like that something that's weird something that's different something you haven't tried before you might as well try it the once you know, agree more. and and, agree and if more. it doesn't work, then don't do it again. Um, yeah. But you know, and I've copped a lot of shit off various people for for some of the decisions I've taken at that level. And at the end of the day, if people people if somebody turns around and just says to me I don't like seeing music in venues of that kind that's completely legit that yeah. is a, there's an opinion I can respect and uh, I'm like fair enough cool. cool thanks for your time 
before now, and yeah. I'll probably see you down the line because the likelihood is that the curve goes down again, and yeah. I'll be back yeah, yeah, playing yeah. the borderline again. But, but like you know, um, but it's if if it's put like that, then it's a legit comment. It's slightly frustrating to get people like, oh, you're a fucking cunt because this and the other. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, really, actually, what I've just done is is just continue doing what I did at the beginning. I said it's I think funny. You've got to have that. I think you've got to have that kind <coughs> of that view and opinion that I'm just gonna just try try and block out what the perception of your choice would be and just go with what your actual choice is to do. It's like if someone had said to you when you were unknown, do you want to headline Wembley? You'd be like, cool, man. It's it's, it's not like that's what you were dreaming of. People would be like, fucking great. All right, let's do that. Similarly, like I always said at the beginning that I'd open for anybody from like, you know, fucking Slayer to Steps or whatever because I believe that people in a crowd are equal and everybody's equally capable of enjoying what I do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't I haven't put that into practice that much. I have played with some metal bands here yeah, and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, if Slay call tomorrow... Then, yeah, uh, <laughs> you're down. Yeah, I'm down. That, but, hear that, Kerry King? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, and I just kind of like... it's The thing is, when I started out, I always had this thing that I'll play for anyone, anywhere, anytime. And yeah. that was a punk thing to say at the beginning. Yeah. I continue to say the exact same thing now, and people accuse that of being a sellout statement. It's like, well, yeah, hold on, bizarre, isn't it? You know, make a decision in life. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I, I've never wanted to be picky about audiences because, again, I try and treat every single person I meet as being the same, yeah. as being equally valid of consideration and, and of, of talking to and of playing a show with and all the rest of it. Yeah. So, and and that applies just as much as it does to people going to see a big show in an arena as it does to people who make it to a squat show at the twelve bar. Completely. I always remember um, I did a thing in Texas years ago with Saul Williams and something he said stuck with me there and it surprised me because you see Saul Williams as quite a oh no he is a very um righteous type you know good dude and he just said I I have no loyalty to to the underground so I I make what I make and I want it to be where it's you know to sit where it sits the more people if you if you're really proud of something you've made you want as as many people to hear it as possible and there shouldn't be any anger or shame in that you shouldn't be embarrassed if you do well if you know what i mean unless you've changed yourself completely with the mind of i need to get as many album sales or this or that it's like if you're making the stuff that you believe in you want as many people to hear it as possible and equally you might not always want to do a arena shows every night but the fact that you can have that many people experiencing this this thing at once yeah if it's nothing else it's, cool. it's interesting do you yeah. know what I mean that, that's almost part of it in the run up to that show is it was almost, it, I mean obviously it's fucking cool as well yeah. to be yeah. able to tell yeah. your mum yeah, yeah I'm playing with totally. um, but, but you know I, I find it almost kind of sociologically interesting it's just kind of like what's going to happen when we get that many people in the room together yeah. how is it going to be different from playing a small show is it going to be different from playing a small show yeah. actually to be honest and that's the other thing as well I mean I feel like I'm slightly disappointing interviews when I say this sometimes I don't think certainly from where I'm standing there's not that much difference between a big arena show and a small show because yeah. me and my band if it's a band show or just me if it's a solo show we're still doing the same shit that we would do in any venue which yeah. is trying to engage the crowd and try and put across the art that we're making in a way that's interesting to people and try and make everyone have a good fucking time uh, did you find it harder at all because I, I definitely found I'd, I obviously I thoroughly enjoyed it but I found I'd never had that much of a gap kind of thing and yeah. that kind of and even at festival although a festival the gap feels more acceptable because there's no there's no walls it's yeah. kind of everything is is one big gap so it's kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. you're engaging that but it, it was the first time I'd been like right I feel like there's a stage in, in front of the stage and then there's a gap yeah. and then yeah, there's yeah. the crowd coming yeah. so that was you know a weird thing to but again I love those odd experiences yeah, it's boring totally. if every gig's the same and you're just 
you can, f- can fart into the microphone and they'll cheer. You know, yeah, it's kind yeah, of it's yeah. nice to have those challenges. Completely. The, well, the, it's funny you should mention the gap actually because one of the things in the run up to Wembley, I had this really long protracted argument with Wembley about the size of the gap. Yeah. Because I was getting <laughs> trying to get him to bring it in as far yeah, as yeah, possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, there's health and safety regulations and blah, blah, blah. and a part of it as well as bring it forward, you can sell more standing tickets, which is what I wanted to do because I know yeah. people like to be in the standing area. Yeah, completely. But yeah, we we had this really quite technical protracted <laughs> argument about like fire access codes and shit. Yeah. My my production manager Graham actually had to go and sit a course in order to production manage at an arena show. Oh wow! This is a thing that if you were a tour manager, because I came up with Graham. Graham used to tour manage Million Dead. I've been touring that guy for yeah. twelve years, and we played every toilet venue in the universe. And and he came with me, and he can do the job and all the rest of it. But we suddenly found out he had to actually go and take a health and safety course and a get a certificate yeah. in order to be able to be running the show. That's and it was amazing. just like. That's fucking weird. Yeah, it really is. <coughs> but one of, one of the things as well is like I got. I remember first time we did main stage at Reading and Leeds. Yeah, that gap is titanic. Yeah, and and it's I, bigger I, now as as well, right? Yeah. Because they've changed the, the shape of it. Yeah, it There's goes that up kind the middle. Of the middle yeah, bit. There's yeah. a V in the middle of it. And I remember the first time I walked because the first one we did was Leeds that year. And I walked out and just kind of went. I actually found it quite disappointing almost because <laughs> yeah. it was just like, particularly because I stand in the middle of the stage and it's like the nearest person to be directly in front of me was like really far away, 400 metres away from me or something. And it was yeah. just kind of like, oh, I was kind of expecting this to be a bit more overwhelming at yeah. this point. But then the funny thing is when you go and stand in the crowd, unless you're in the front three rows, you haven't got a clue there's, there's that big a gap there. Yeah, you can't tell. You've got no but idea because yeah. it's sight lines. It's a weird thing I, I guess in, in situations are like that and you wouldn't think main stage at Reading is one way you'd have to think that end of the day you need to go out and put on a show regardless of how you feel or how weird it is or yep. and again I definitely had that at Wembley when we were thrown by parts of it it was like right it doesn't matter how big the gap is of this we're but I need to put the same energy and the same yeah. attitude in and it's odd to think of you needing to motivate yourself when the show is a main stage at Red and things like that. Yeah, but yeah. that is the case, you know. Yeah, totally. it's, it's in a way, it's easier to do a gig that's two hundred people and they're right in your face than to do a gig where there's a big gap and yeah. you, you're not getting the same. Although there's thousands more, you're not receiving their energy in the same way because yeah. you're outside. So a lot of the cheering gets gets yeah. lost. Well, you've got to make sure that a guy standing half a mile away is having as good a time as yeah. the kid who's made it to the front row. Yeah. That's part of your job. This is this is something I get very worked up about. At, uh, about there's a lot of bands who get disdainful about the term entertainer to describe them. Yeah. And and personally, I'm militant in describing myself as entertainer. Completely. Perhaps not I when agree. I'm in the studio, but when I'm playing a live show. It's what I want to say to some of those kind of proggy bands who get annoyed about people, you know, calling them entertainers. It's like if you're charging people money to come and see you in a big room, you're an entertainer. Yeah, that's a fact. Yeah, and but also by using that word, I'm, I've been spent the last couple of years reading up about um, like the history of music hall, vaudeville, circus, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Because from a sort of broader social point of view, that's who we are. Yeah, completely. And 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 I love reading about you know sort of little Titch and and Murray um, Lloyd and people like that. And there's and there's that kind of there's almost kind of like a sort of workman-like loyalty to the audience it's like it's my job to get out there and do a good fucking show and it doesn't yeah. matter if I had a shit day and it doesn't matter if the stage isn't to my liking and it doesn't matter if I didn't get my rider right and all that yeah. shit these people paid they've had a shitty working week they've done real jobs and it, my job is to come out now and make them feel like they're having a good fucking time for yeah, two hours completely. And, and nothing else in my life is nearly as relevant as that yeah no I couldn't agree more I think people forget that on stage you're playing to however many thousand of your bosses. They're right. paying your wage. That's you know, you, 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 
you know, you can be as arrogant as you want about how they're your fans. They're the people that have paid to get in, and yeah. you're doing this because they're paying you to do it. Yeah. You're they're the reason you're that I don't still them, have a telesales job. Yeah, 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 totally, exactly. And I think yeah, it's got to be about and and entertainment. It's why at festivals. I will often switch up to more up-tempo stuff and less of the kind of more introverted stuff because it's like, right, it's not going to get across here. And whilst, you know, I feel this is my best song or this is my favourite to perform or whatever, we're here to make sure people have a good time. Hopefully there's there's stuff in there that makes them think as well. But essentially, we're hoping they're going to have a good night out. Yeah. And that's key. Yeah. Um, and let's rewind back a bit. When you were uh, growing up, what music were you into? And do you kind of know what you saw that made you think, I can do that or I want to do that or, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, my, basically, my, my parents are quite sort of conservative and they listen to classical music and don't really believe in drum kits yeah. and that kind of thing. So music wasn't really a part of my life until I was about 10 and I was at a mate's house and his older brother had an Iron Maiden poster on the wall. Yeah. And I was in, big into, like, Games Workshop at the time. Yeah. And, I, and it was the Stranger in a Strange Land poster and I was like, zombie cowboy in the future. I'm in. Yeah. Didn't, didn't know it was banned, just yep. thought it was a cool picture. Found out it was banned. I'm pretty my... sure I, I came in the th- <laughs> a, 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 a same way, was getting the metal kind of either the pendants or the badges of, yeah. of Eddie and of, of any, any either, either Megadeth or Iron Maiden. Yeah, um, and you get them from Camden Market. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you so get a train continue. up on a Saturday yeah, and, yeah, and exactly. get them from Camden Market. But yeah, so I got, and then my, yeah, my dad bought a copy of Killers on cassette from the R Price at Waterloo Station on his way home from work one day, yeah. which no shit, both my parents still regard as their fundamental parenting error um, <laughs> to this day because it was like. Not, Night and day for me. I put that record on, and it was that opening. Ding, 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 ding. It yeah. was just kind of like, right, fuck everything else I was doing with this my life. It. This is it. And I've, I think I've just personality-wise always been kind of a participatory kind of person. Yeah. And because so the very first thing I did after that was like start bugging my mum and dad to get an electric guitar for that Christmas or whatever. Yeah. Got one of those Argos starter packs, you know, nice. like sixty quid for a black and white strat copy and a thirty-watt amp. Yeah. And, Perfect. Um, which I still have. I might nice. not the amp. Not the amp. Yeah, the yeah, amp's gone, sure. but I've still got the guitar somewhere. But yeah, do you know what I mean? And it was just kind of like, um, uh, and then from then it was just like freefall. I got into, yeah, Maiden, Judas Priest, Megadeth, Slayer, Anthrax, Metallica, all that shit. Yeah. Then I heard Nirvana and went, fuck. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And then <laughs> Nirvana, and then from Nirvana I got into, um, Green Day and Offspring yeah. was the big thing. You were in Rancid T, so say, yep. one of my fucking favorite bands. Oh, ever. Green Day and Offspring <laughs> for me were my introduction to, to gigging, to like, going and seeing Offspring on the Smash Tour right. uh, uh, at Brixton or the Astoria or wherever it was and Green Day on the Dookie Tour and things like yeah. that was... And it's, it's weird now because even though both of those bands changed hugely in perception-wise, I'll never have any shame in saying I'm no. a massive... Like, Dookie is one of my my favourite albums yeah, yeah. of all time and, well, and, and also Smash as well. In, in, in the kind of ecology of punk rock, there is a place for gateway bands. And, like, you know, it's, it's funny. I've got a lot of friends who are a couple of years younger than me who would say everything that we're saying about them about Blink-182. Yeah. Um, and that's a band. And I and I, I played... Um, I got heavily into Blink after, I, you know... Do, do after Ranch, I loved. Yeah. I wasn't... I did, when it po- They polished it up a bit after that and yeah, it wasn't sure. as much to my taste. But um, I, like, I, I remember a couple of years ago I was playing a house show this 
this guy called Party Marty who's from Riverside, California, absolute sweetheart, and he has house shows at his house. And and it was it was said in jest. A couple of people got narky about it on the internet. Guess what? Yeah. Um, but but like it was just kind of like you know that I, I'm really bored of those kind of people who sort of pretend that they woke up one morning and bought a Black Flag album. It's like no, you yeah. didn't. Yeah, yeah, nobody yeah. did that, or at least no one since yeah. 1991 did that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, you 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 got into Green Day, Offspring, Blink One Two, and then I played Blink cover, and it was great because every single person in the house party knew all the words. I, I, I DJ'd at the, at the, the club I used to go to as a kid, the, the Pink Toothbrush in Rayleigh. I DJ'd there for their 30th anniversary or whatever it was, and it's one of my favourite DJ sets because I got to play Green Day and Blink and Lit and just oh, all sorts of stuff like that, which I couldn't play at my club night I do every month. It just yeah, wouldn't yeah. work. And it's just so nice to just yeah. play all those songs and go, damn, these were good. Yeah, these were great Fucking tunes, yeah, me. yeah. Well, and then, and, and then, okay. Now we're gonna get, we're gonna get out your walking stick. We're gonna shake our walking sticks at each other. Yeah. Um, the, there was that thing of like, so it's pre, pre music on the internet, not pre yeah. the internet, pre music on the internet. And you see that shit. Me and my mate Chris, uh, um, and we sort of got into punk together, which was um, correlating thanks lists. So you already owned a NoFX record, a Green Day record, yeah. and a Descendants record, yeah. and they would list all the bands and the thanks lists, and you would go through all of them and underline the ones that were occurred in all three, and then go, right, we'll get a record by them. No idea that's who they brilliant. are. No idea what they sound yeah, like. But genius. Down By Law are thanked in all three of these, so I'm going to yeah. go and get a Down By Law record. Yeah. Then you got a Down By Law record, you do the process again, and one by one you end up finding out about the punk scene that way. That's great. That's it, That yeah. makes tons of sense. And it's brilliant that that was the way things had to be done. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Back then, I'd buy like um, dirty knockoff interview discs of with Green Day or, or with whoever, and they'd talk about Operation IV, and they'd talk right. about gutter mouth, and they'd talk about uh, screeching weasels and stuff like that. I'd be like, right, that's okay. that's who I need the, to import next from yeah, yeah. HMV or, or, or wherever. Or the other, yeah, then when you get a little bit deeper into it, you get like distro catalogs, yeah, and shit like that, and like Fractazine. But I remember initial records in out of Louisville, Kentucky. That had this massive distro catalogue that did all the American hardcore and emo and post hardcore and stuff like that, and yeah. I sort of got into that scene after a while. And um, and they'd have a little picture of the front cover and then like a paragraph sort of explaining what it was. Yeah. Not quite a review because it's sort of a puff piece. But um, and uh, I remember like every, once a month, me and Chris would sort of order like three records, three or four records, yeah. um, and get them sent over, and then we would listen to them and tape them off each other and all the rest of it. Yeah. And, and um, one of my absolute life changing musical moments was. Um, we were doing that and we'd ordered one thing I can't remember what it was one was a compilation of Spanish anarchist cross punk on a uh, on a record label called They Used to Fuck People Like You in Prison records <laughs> damn <laughs> yeah and then one of them was a record by a band called Boy Sets Fire who I'd never heard before yeah. but I was like right fine it was their first album Day Someone Out and I remember the package arrived and me and Chris got it out and we put on the Spanish cross CD and I'll be honest it wasn't very good yeah um, just a lot of kind of stuff um, yeah. which I have a place in my life for but it's occupied yeah. by Discharge so um, <laughs> then, uh, and then we put on the Boy Sets Fire record and the first two songs on that album are pretty standard kind of metalcore hardcore stuff Good, but nothing particularly outlandish. And then the third song, Fine Art of Falling, starts with I could lie here forever. It's like an emo tune, and yeah. I'd never heard emo before. Yeah. And that was the first emo song I ever heard. And I just, but it was heavy as fuck, yeah. but it had a pop melody on it. And I remember me and Chris looking at each other and going, What the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, Jesus fucking Christ, everything's just changed. I remember having. Similar with Glassjaw, kind of the, right. the hardness of them, but then the points where it breaks and 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 Daryl just sing yeah. just in what became the emo voice in, right, in yeah, the emo yeah. sound. It's like I didn't know that at the time, but I was like, 
I like this. This is this is yeah, really yeah. nice. Well, I felt like it was two different parts of my record collection, a gang, a yeah. like joined together because I had all my sort of like sick of it all and that kind of business yeah. over there, and then I had Weezer and stuff over there, yeah, 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 and it course. was like someone had sort of jammed both of them into a blender. Uh, uh, did, uh, did you ever listen to Leatherface? Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, I was yeah. never knowledgeable of them until a few years back uh, when we were touring, and I was uh, tour manager at the time. Um, the tour Swede, he's purely, he's only known as, or Matthias, but um, <laughs> we had a day off and he lived in Berlin. He was like, oh, I'm going to see, he's like, you must be into Leatherface because he knew all the, the different punkers. And I was like, I've never heard of them. Blew me away. Absolutely yeah, yeah. amazing. But I didn't know they were a British band and yeah. kind of, yeah. Well, they're one of those bands, them and the other one like them I always get weirded out by uh, is Coxpire because all yeah. of my American friends are obsessed with Leatherface and Coxpire. Yeah. And I feel like growing up in, with punk rock in the UK, those bands didn't loom that large. No, yeah, definitely. Do you know what I mean? And like, I remember like Laura Jane Grace from Against Me is the single biggest Coxpire fan in the known universe. Yeah. And I was like, Really? I mean, I don't, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Right? I'm parceled a bit of cockfire here, yeah. here and there, but it was just like of all of the bands, and she's just like they're the greatest fucking punk band there ever was. That's and amazing. Like, okay. I mean, we're, I mean, we're going to have to move on from just our, our, our punk band referencing <laughs> the question soon. But I just need to ask, how many times have you seen Cap Down? Because oh Cap Down used to just play oh every support God. every punk band that yeah, came over, yeah, play every gig. Yeah, I, I it's hundreds, right? I shudder <laughs> to think. Uh, but they were great as well. Oh, they, they smashed were fucking it. brilliant bands. bands. Yeah, yeah. And well, and there's always that thing of like with you know with them. Uh, the big ones for me were Knuckle Dust and Imbalance in yeah, the UK. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they were like they were our bands, and they, and there were quite a lot of UKC bands who. were Basically, they were shit. We loved yeah, them, but yeah, they yeah, they were yeah, kind of yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. And they'd open for you know indecision or someone, and yeah. you'd kind of go, eh, and then right. indecision would come on and slay yeah, them. Yeah. But then every now and again, cap down, knock us in balance, bands like that. You get a British band who could hold their own against the Yanks, yeah. and and you'd be you'd be filled with kind of this sort of weird scene pride of yeah. kind of going, "This is one of us. This is great." Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So, so when did you or, or or when did you decide to actually start getting on stage or? Let's go straight to Million Dead. How was that? How did that come about? And what kind of made it end as well? Yeah, well, I mean, so I was in... Actually, we'll go, we can go a tiny bit further back. I yeah. was at school, because I was, as most people seem to know by now, I was educated on a scholarship at Eton College, which was a very yeah. weird and not... Uh, incredible head start in life, privilege, uh, brilliant education, surrounded by cunts for five yeah, years, yeah, and yeah, everybody yeah. hated me, and I hated them, and I made a point because I wore Clash t-shirts and Discharge t-shirts yeah. and Crash t-shirts and told everyone to fuck off, um, which the faculty loved. Yeah, um, sure. But, um, yeah, I got, I got kicked out of the chapel service for wearing a t-shirt that said, Jesus died for his own sins, not mine, at once upon a time. So it's, it's a really, really bourgeois form of anarchism, but fuck yeah. it, it's yeah. there. Um, but so at you the play sp- the cards you dealt. You play the cards you dealt. Right, exactly. So at the school, there were three people who'd even heard of hardcore punk. It was that yeah. thing, if you're into hardcore and everyone's like, oh, happy hardcore. No! no. <laughs> um, so three of us, <laughs> I ended up playing bass in the band because the, one of them was a drummer. Ben played drums and Chris played guitar. Yeah. And so it was like, well, I guess I'm by default on the yeah, bass player. Yeah, yeah. We were called Knee Jerk and we used to basically at weekends and, and school holidays, we used to go up to London and play UKHC shows. And we put on shows as, as well, put on shows at the Swan up in Tottenham. Yeah. Put on, uh, we put on one show at the Hope and Anchor in Islington and we booked the whole thing in advance and the guys were really cool about it and then we sold the show out on the night and then they found out that we were all 17 and refused to deal with us ever again. Oh, wow. So that was the end of that. Yeah, um, going out on a high. Yeah, right, totally. <laughs> um, so I did that and then, yeah, you know, used to I, I did one issue of a zine which was so awful it makes my skin crawl to this day Amazing. and I will be sending out ninjas to kill everyone who's ever yeah. read it. Um, and did all that. Knee-jerk fell apart when we left school um, and I moved to London and just kind of got a shitty temp job and got really into weird electronica for a year. Um, 
And then um, Ben from Knee Jerk called me up and said um, that he had a new band and they were rehearsing and did I want to come down and just hang out. And I, it was a setup. I didn't realise they didn't have a singer. I thought they were three pieces right. and a singer. And I went yeah, down yeah, and yeah. they played instrumental, weird, sort of odd, like Hot Snakes, Jesus as D Hardcore. Yeah. Um, and there was a mic on a stand in the middle of the room. And by the end of the practice, I was kind of jumping up and down and yelling. And, uh, Amazing. And then, and then brilliantly, yeah, Ben was like, yeah, you got the job. And the other two were like, well, I don't know. Because they wanted they wanted someone who sounded like Josh Homme. Right. Uh, so someone, someone kind of sing in a baritone. And I was yeah. kind of trying to sound like Dennis from Refuse or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but that came together. And then with Million Dead, basically, yeah, we started out playing the same kind of underground hardcore shows that Nijok had been playing. But um, Julia, who was our bass player, who's now in Future Left, she um, she was working a kind of office job at Universal Records at the time, but she was DJing at Total Rock, and she just sort of had ambitions outside of the hardcore scene, basically. Yeah, yeah. So she started getting us gigs with, like we talked with Funeral Friend, that was a big yeah, thing for us. Um, we, yeah, I mean, that, a band that I still, to this day, I consider that Matt from Funeral is the guy who gave me my sort of first step on the ladder, yeah. as it were, and thanks very much, Matt. Yeah, um, yeah and then we just, we toured for four years, um, we changed changed the guitarist after our first album and then gradually fell into hating each other's guts yeah um, I mean it can happen do. touring is tough touring is yeah. it's a weird um, it's a weird th- thing of the whole saying you you don't choose your family you choose your, but you do choose your friends but you often don't choose your band you just kind of yeah. stumble into a band because yeah. it's this thing and you know I've been I've been lucky I've I've not had that many painful tours but you know you see a lot of it because you're suddenly y- you will see those people more than you see the girl you love or yeah, yeah. your your parents or your yeah. best friend from yeah. school yeah. or whatever they will take over that role in your life as the person yeah, you yeah. see the most and even if they're really a decent enough person they're not that person that you, yeah, you would just, prefer to yeah, be in that completely. role and having that amount of time. <laughs> There's someone else, therefore that's a yeah, really yeah. fucking tough setup. I, I was chatting to some some guys in a young band the other day. Great, I w- they'll remain nameless, but yeah. they were like, "Yeah, I think we're all going to move into a house together as well." So, and I was wow. like, "Are you out of your fucking mind?" Yeah, yeah. It's like because they're they're about to start touring insanely hard. Like yeah. they're at that point where their career is about to break open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just kind of like, "Don't don't do don't that. Don't do that. Just don't give yourselves some time. You need to be able to come back from tour and not. I always have a joke at the end of." every tour with crew and everyone of just saying obviously congratulating everyone that's, that's been absolutely amazing and saying I don't want to hear from any of you for at least two weeks um, yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> totally know, I don't want to s- how you're doing and yeah. just no contact please yeah. and it's yeah. a joke but it's, it's true as well it's it kind is, of yeah. what you want well, um, tw- 2013 <laughs> was the hardest year on tour I've ever had in my life that year yeah. nearly fucking killed me and, but uh, but it was great we got loads done but um, we finished up in Florida and then we flew overnight back to the UK and when we we were at the baggage carousel in Heathrow, me and my band and crew. And so there's a group of like eight of us who just hadn't been away from each other for 12 months, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And and like when everyone got their bags, everyone just turned around and walked off. No one even said goodbye. It was just yeah. kind of like, I fucking had enough of you. It's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, it was great as well. It's completely natural, too. It's yeah, completely yeah. natural. I've always found one of the weirdest and hardest things to get across when coming back from tour is the need to not see all the people you've missed as well as see all the people you've missed. You yeah, know, that's yeah, the, the, yeah. It's hard for people to realise that in a touring situation, particularly if you're not a massive headliner, you're sh- sh- sharing rooms on that tour or sharing a bus or whatever. So you've literally, in three months or whatever, not had any time to yourself except yeah. when you're on the oh, toilet. Yeah. Oh, so man. it's kind of, there's points <laughs> where it's like, I want to see my girlfriend, I want to see yeah, my yeah. family, but... I also want to sit and not see anyone. Yeah, I just I watch films. In, yeah, and I want to sit chill. in a dark room yeah. with the curtains closed and not, and not yeah. talk. Exactly. Yeah. 
and uh, you know rather than and equally you need that moment for it to become a happy memory again rather than what you've just endured because you guarantee you come back and everyone's like so how was it Uh, tell me about it it's like I don't want to I've just lived that I don't want to relive it yet give me a week and then I'll be up for for reliving it and telling you all the stories stories. at the moment I just want to just be happy that I'm not there anymore I'm just going through my PTSD right now yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) totally but yeah, and then so so with Men and Dead, yeah, after four years of kind of rattling around the UK and the bits of Europe in a van, and we, we did all right. We put out two records, you know, mm-hmm. and and um, we we headlined the Garage a couple of times and the Underworld and places like that. And, um, and the Garage, we, and another one that that I'm sure would have been on your list of places you'd seen oh, yeah. so many good bands because yeah. the Garage Astoria, yeah, or or they for me and LA too were the the ones you you yeah. bounce between. A, a, a Brixton was when it's kind of got big and you're starting to resent it yeah um, and, and, but, and it was south of the river and everything yeah, and it was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, we're talking about that um, uh, I, I, you mentioned itch earlier like I'm, yeah. I met itch outside the garage and, uh, during evil fest 1999 Amazing. and we just used to sit and like Sort of like drink vodka out of brown paper bags yeah. on the pavement outside. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, yeah, and it went to the carriage a million times. But yeah, so and then so million dead. Like we just uh, there there are details and they're boring to anyone who wasn't involved in it and they're right. private anyway. So but we just reached a point where we just weren't really talking to each other anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, we had this sort of summit. You know what I mean? A band yeah, meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we had a band meeting in uh, um, in our rehearsal space up in Tottenham, and um, agreed. We we had a we had Reading and Leeds, our first proper performance of Reading and Leeds, and then we had a ten date UK tour, and we decided we were going to do those, and then we were going to call it a day. And done. Which we did, and it was heartbreaking because I love that band, and I cared about that band deeply, um, and there was no saving it. Um, yeah, yeah, and of I, I don't want to point any fingers. <coughs> there was definitely a time when I was angry about it and was like, you fucking twat. But yeah. um, I'm old enough and wise enough now to realise I think it was equally everybody's fault. Yeah. Um, and well, and it just wasn't destined to be anything. So we called it, we called it a day. And then obviously you then elected to, <coughs> to, 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 to take those steps solo. And yeah, how was that? <coughs> how was the... the uh, Dylan goes electric type feel yeah, of, well, of, of the change of change of sound and reception. Well, it that. was it was a funny thing because I basically I got into listening to kind of country and folk music and I played a handful of shows <coughs> with an acoustic, mainly just doing Neil Young covers. And um, uh, and uh, there was an open mic night in Nambuka, which Dave and Jay, Dave Danger and Jay Beans used yeah. to run. Sorry, my throat's killing me. <coughs> There was an open mic night there, and um, I played a couple of nights there, and um, I'd written two songs, and um, on the evening of the day when I'd had that meeting, agreeing to break up the band and do the farewell shows, yeah. I went to Nambuka, which was my hangout at the time, and went to the bar, and Dave, um, who now runs the Monarch in Camden and is my flatmate, um, nice. in a very sort of barman from Cheers kind of way, came over polishing a glass. <laughs> Why the long face? He said. And uh, and I was like, well, my fucking band's done. And I don't know what to do. And without a second hesitation, Dave said, do that thing that you did at Sensible Sundays, do that. And I've written two songs, Real Damage Romantic Fatigue at the time. And he went, do those songs, do more ones like that. I like those ones. Amazing. Dave's one of my best friends, never made a secret of the fact he hated Million Dead. He doesn't like music. Oh, really? Me. Like his favourite band, Snow Patrol, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And he was just kind of like, he never used to come and see Million Dead. He was like, it's just not my thing. That's crazy. And he was like, those those two songs you got there, do more songs like those ones. And I went, really? And he said, yeah, absolutely, do that. And then Jay Beans kind of wandered over and went, yeah, do yeah. that. And so I gave it a go. And um, everybody thought I was mental. 
Yeah. Um, it's funny now, in the last few years, and I really don't want to say any of this sounding sort of peaked or um, superior in any way, but it's a bit more of an established thing, people from punk bands playing acoustic guitars. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I was back then, Chuck Reagan had done it. Yeah. Um, I'd done a tour with Johnny Matranga as well, doing his thing. So there were pointers around the yeah. place. Tim Barry from Avail was doing some stuff as well. But other than that, no, no one from the UK had really done it. And, and when I announced it, um, my booking, Million Dead's booking agent laughed in my face really? and just went, you're an idiot. Um, and um, dropped me there and then. Um, and wow. told me fuck off, basically. Um, you know, I had just people I knew, like, kind of trying to, like, give me, have a chat because yeah. it was like I was ill. Yeah. Are you feeling all right? Are you sure? Do you know what I mean? And, and how many, how many, or roughly how many pictures from Wembley have you you, you sent that booking agent? <laughs> well, since, since then, how big did his email box get? The, the, the booking agent in question, I ran into um, the next time that I saw her was walking up the stairs to the side of the main stage at Reading Festival, right, in 2011, first yeah. time we played there. And to her credit, she kind of went, "Fair enough, fair enough." Yeah, that's I'm an cool. idiot. So, that's cool. um, good yeah. for her. But yeah, it's it's um, it's uh, it, it was a funny time because yeah, and I went off and and the other thing, it, it, it you know you put your ego on the line every time you get on stage. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. You can yep. be, try and be punk and pretend that doesn't happen, but it's true. And the last London show we did with Million Dead, we did um, the Underworld, and we had like way too many people in there because John from the Underworld was a friend of ours who let us oversell yeah, it. Yeah. So we had like eight hundred people in there. Brilliant. It was, it, it was kind of awful because you just couldn't move yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then the first London show that I did was at the Curzon Cinema. I played a set after a screening of some indie film and three people stuck around. Yeah. And that's a punch in the gut. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was just yeah. like, no one gives a shit. It's, it's the balance, isn't it? Because I, I, I'm sure the the slight um, affirmation of what it could be from your mate who kind of said, do those two yeah, songs kind right. of that, that that's a great starting point of shit I, you know you probably had it in your head but it takes just someone to say that's really good you should yeah, do right, that right totally. but then it can equally be as much of a, a step back if you then go all oh, right there's three people and they yeah. don't yeah and, and and they're friends of mine or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and i mean you know there was and again like I, my buddy evan who's one of my best friends he was he was vociferous in saying that his, his comment on it all, which I always loved, was he said, he said, the music, this shit you're doing now sounds more like you, the guy I know is my friend, the Million Dead does. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think there's truth in that, because Million Dead formed when I was like 19 and broke up when I was 23. And I think I changed quite a lot in that time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's always tells this story about going to see me play on a barge to, to literally no one. No yeah. one came to the gig. Yeah. Apart from him, so um, it's and, tough man. Yeah, and then but and then you know just gigged around, did loads of gigging, got some great breaks out of people like um remember that band the Automatic. Yeah, turns out they were all diehard Million Dead fans, and they found out about what I was doing and threw me first on on one of their big tours when they were riding oh, high, and and fucking kudos to them for that because that made a big difference. Biffy Clara guys picked me up as well. It is the things that make a difference. It's such a weird thing, and it's something that has been kind of the catalyst for these podcasts in many ways is you suddenly realise that all these people that you, you know, you're into, or whether it be in film, in music or whatever, are music fans. Yeah. So there's a chance that they've heard your stuff. I mean, most of the people that I've had on the podcast are people that I've, I was into anyway and I found out is into my shit kind of thing. Yeah, it's yeah. like, wow, this is great. That's that's kind yeah. of an amazing thing. So that's that can be absolutely key when you're trying to relaunch something or redo something is suddenly go, right... A, a, 
let's not be proud about this. Let's exploit any contacts or fans I may yeah, yeah, have yeah. that are totally, in that kind totally. of area no, and see what you can do and with then, that. And similarly, you do the same thing from the other end of the... Yeah. When you're on the other end of the, yeah. the seesaw, as it were. Completely, completely. Um, with an example of that lately, which I just, I just can't think highly enough... Um, Slightly controversial topic. Okay. Um, uh, so Jeff Rickley's a friend of mine, singer from Thursday. Yeah. Um, Jeff, first time I met Jeff, check this out. He came down to see me play at a bar show in New York many years ago, and I knew who he was. Million Dead played with Thursday yeah. once time, but this is the first time we properly hung out. And he just walked over to me and very quietly put a packet of clean socks in my hand and just went, "You're welcome." And Good I was man. just like, "I love you." He knows. He Genius. knows. But yeah, so he's doing a band right now with the other Asage, guys. Sage Francis and B. B. Dolan have both previously had underwear on their rider, just as a, yeah. a thing. Every venue, there's just some fresh underwear. It's a beautiful it's genius. thing. It's a beautiful yeah, thing. But yeah, it's very good. <laughs> but, um, uh, so right now, Jeff's doing a new band with the other members of Lost Profits. And, oh, right. Um, and and I, I just think it's a really great thing. Jeff's reasoning on it is he just kind of looked at the situation and he went, it's got fuck all to do with them, yeah. but they're now, everyone's like damaged goods or whatever. Yeah, completely. Not going to touch them a barge pole. And he was like, they're my friends. I've toured with them. Um, they're good musicians. I'm looking for a new thing to do right now. Yeah. And they deserve a chance to do something It's new. really interesting because I think that the fact is when there's a band um, and they, like, n- not speaking of, of lost, lo- lost Profits here, if there's a band and they split up, it's really hard for the, anyone other than the front man to get any of the, the benefits of yeah. all they've done in the past. Yeah. Therefore, if that's the case, equally you should be able to apply that to if there's a band and the front man does something absolutely horrific and is obviously a piece of shit, evil, bad person, yeah, yeah. then why should the band get the negative effects of that? If they wouldn't totally. have got the positive effects of splitting up and going solo, right. it's harsh totally. to give them but a look, negative yeah, effect. Totally. But also, I mean, you know... I. I did actually know those guys a little bit myself at one point in time, yeah. and, and Ian travelled completely separately from them and was just off in his own world doing his own, yeah. it turns out, morally reprehensible yeah, thing. Again, I mean, he's someone I'd chatted to previously online and, and stuff like that, and yeah, it's kind of... Obviously, that's a world of difference from being in a band with people, but as you said, a lot of bands end up with that. You're travelling s- separately, there's yeah. no... Yeah. People in their own worlds. But anyway, so yeah, I just thought that was a really great example for me of Jeff just kind of... Saying, okay, right. I'm going to help my friends out here, yeah. and, and fucking good for Jeff, and and I hope those guys, yeah, that's wicked, pull through the wreckage. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, we've touched upon a few f- 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 festivals here. A mm. uh, one thing completely kind of off topic, but I just want to kind of ask you on this because it's similar to what you were saying about how, um, about f- filming at gigs and things like that, and just enjoying the moment. Glastonbury this year. Now, Glastonbury's one of my favourite festivals. It means the world to me. But this year was the first year I felt... Um, I like the, the gig I loved, but I felt as a festival, it felt more like it's tipped the bar, the, the bar of being a TV show that happens to have music there. Yeah. And more in the global perception. Like It, it, it stunned me when people were like... Because I got to headline Billy's stage and it was the 10th anniversary and it was this emotional thing. And tons of people were saying, of course... So where can I watch this? It's like, well, you had to be there. That's yeah, where you can yeah. watch it. And there's that weird assumption now that everything is recorded yeah. and it people forget that there are things that, and rightfully, there are things that only exist in that moment yeah, and that's, that's what they are. Yeah. Um, do you feel that's something that needs to be 
yeah. uh, supported in some way or, or preserved that just not every it's not a fact that if you want to you can just sit at home and still experience that gig yeah, or that yeah, show yeah sure well I mean the, the first thing to say slightly playing devil's advocate uh, or, or maybe in Glassbury's defence the way that they've cornered the BBC hmm. that festival I, th- is, I think is very shrewd yeah, um, yeah and, and I think it's, it's it has kept that festival alive and will continue to keep it alive for time yeah. to come and I'm a fan of Glastonbury I so. said I don't f- see it as a thing on site or as the festival it's more the perception outside of it the fact that it's suddenly I saw more people talking about it that weren't there than were there yeah if you know what I mean I heard from more people who weren't there than were there and it's like wow that's really odd that now this festival is bigger outside of the festival than inside of because it is the biggest festival in the fucking world it's bigger outside than inside that's bizarre it's a weird one I mean I think you know it's that age old thing that people say it's like it's a good thing you can't download live experience just yet Yeah. Um, Yeah. and the the day someone figures out how to do that we're all fucked yeah Yeah, completely Um, but but, I mean and I've just been doing like surely if they they figure out how to download I load it, we'll be able to upload it and we can just sit at home and, yeah. uh, <laughs> and reap the benefits. And I did that gig last year, it's still going. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. It's just, just, we'll upload ourselves onto the internet. <laughs> but I, I, I think that I did Independent Venue Week last week. I was ambassadoring for that, um, which was very nice um, and a cool thing to be part of. And one, one of the things about that whole thing that I was sort of saying and all the press that I did for it is it's about like, you know, I've got, I've got like uh, cousins who are sort of 16 whose experience of live music is they've been to see Arctic Monkeys at O2 or something yeah. and they sat yeah. in one of the back things and they had a good time yeah. wrong, they had a lovely time but they took the train up to London they bought overpriced beer they sat quite far away from stage mm-hmm. and went home again now the thing is I played the O2 last year so it's not like I'm saying that band shouldn't do that I'm just saying that that's such a small corner of the spectrum yeah. of the yeah. experience of live music yeah. and part of the point of Independent Venue Week is to grab people particularly younger people and go there's a fucking venue around the corner from your house. Yeah. Stop getting on the train yeah. going to London. There's a venue around the corner from your house that you can walk to, and it's five quid, and you'll see four bands. Yeah, and completely. and three of them will probably be shit, but one of them will be amazing. And you'll be standing in the front row, and you'll get ringing ears from the guitar, and yeah. the singer's going to sweat on your face. I mean, it is a, a, a lost thing now of places people go because of the place rather than necessarily because of who's there, which, again, I don't know how I feel about it, but... It's kind of a. It is a beautiful thing when you there is a local venue that you will be there every weekend, regardless. Right, yeah, yeah. And then that's that's where you find the bands, rather than I already know about the band, therefore I'll go and see them. Yeah, if that I think. Makes I, sense. Th- I mean, I I personally feel that's that's more of a London problem in my experience. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Certainly, sure. like in Winchester where I grew up, the, the railway is still the only venue. Yeah. In town, and if yeah. you want to see a live show in Winchester, you go to the railway. That's yeah, it. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, I'm not sure how many people wander down to. The windmill in Brixton on the afternoon. Actually, yeah. well, I don't know. Maybe the windmill might actually be the exception that proves proves the rule. Yeah, I mean, I'd say <coughs> the windmill and certain places in Camden. I'm sure that that have yeah. that feel of where are you going? I'm going to Camden rather yeah. than I'm going to this gig or to that gig. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. There's a, sure. a bit of that, I guess. I mean, I guess the Mon- yeah, I, I, I mean, I go to the Monarch. In fairness, I go to the Monarch because my flatmate runs a place and I drink for free. So. Good choice, good choice. <laughs> but it is a great gig venue. I see some good stuff there. Um, I also wanted. I mean, well. Uh, we're over the hour marks as okay. we start to wrap up, but w- one of the things that I enjoyed experiencing of you without you even b- b- being there or involved in any way was t- uh, when we got to headline a, a 2000 Trees mm. and just learning how oh, 2000 yeah. Trees is so... It's Frank's home. <laughs> this is Frank's fest. Yeah. And it was, it was a beautiful thing, and that was a lovely to see. It, it wasn't, you know, any any... 
resentment or issue at all. It's no, beautiful no. that that was, it felt like that's, yeah. I so like, what is yeah. the relationship with 2000 um, Trees? How's that, that come about? Well, James, uh, who's the main guy who runs it, is, is a buddy. Um, I played the first year. Um, it's a great at, festival as well. Just a lovely little that's festival. Straight in. We went back last year and did... and. Did like the Thursday night or something on the smaller stage, and it was yeah. again just no, amazing. It's just good people, good, it's, it's that's the thing. I always sort of want to kind of grab 2000 Trees and show it to other people and go, It's not that hard to yeah. do a festival. Yeah, you've got a good site, it's the right size. That's I was going to say ex- exactly. They've not gone crazy on fucking hundreds of stages or tried yeah. to be too big. They've got two decent stages filled with a few bits in. You know, yeah. There's, there's yeah. enough food and drink and yeah. fucking. Wicker stuff to you know yeah. to, to make everyone happy. <laughs> yeah, and, you're and there's a main stage, and, and and there's a good lineup every year of kind of, and it's a certain sort of scene of bands, you know, yeah. sort of underground, but not like super underground kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, last time we played there, we headlined in 2013, and I do I remember walking around and someone going, "That's where all of my merch has gone." Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, here it is. I mean, the thing is, it's I always. <laughs> I always, um, I always kind of want to just go and hang out, but at the same time, it's not the easiest place for me to just casually hang out because yeah, people want to come and say hi, and I, you know, I'm always the kind of person to try and say hi to everybody. Yeah, but um, it's not kind of like I'm going to go and relax in a field for a That's weekend. It. It's not. It's weird. It's hard to get through to people that when you're in that kind of situation, the idea of going to a gig isn't that appealing or exciting because it's not a night off you're right, you're totally. having to be you're you. on duty. Even, even even you know whether that be through the engaging and taking pictures which again we're both fans of doing but even more so i don't want to get that drunk or act stupid if i feel i'm you're, I'm, on, gonna, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm performing or i mean you know, yeah. you know what i mean there's a certain level of of, of control there in yeah, a way yeah, which yeah, is yeah, totally. a weird thing so you can understand yeah, yeah, how yeah, that completely. stops being appealing but um but you know I, yeah i love two centuries and i'll definitely go back again they have there's a <laughs> there's a camp turner now there's an area of the camp, campsite that people have christened camp turner I and i it. think it would be fun to just like show up there yeah do you know what i mean yeah. like on and out in the middle of the night i think this is one of the key things that a lot of acts and bands worry about too much is the fear that if you do something, then the next thing you do is judged against that. And I'll explain that a little bit because I think it it plays in with, with the, the choice to do Wembley as well. When we were asked to do the Thursday night on the, on the second stage, as there was our agent at first was kind of like, well, you previously headlined the main stage here. Is that really, is, is this a bad look? Is this, it's like... It was fucking cool. We enjoyed it. It's yeah. like, I don't care if it's a bad look. I don't think anyone's going to be sitting again. Oh, well, they were here last yeah. time, or they've done, or they've dropped up, or dropped They'll down. They'll be like, going off my playlist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like if it's if it looks like if you've enjoyed something and it looks like it's a good thing. So you've done a Wembley. It doesn't mean that any gig you do now that isn't Wembley, you've suddenly dropped off in yeah. some way or anything else. It's like. It's the variation that's that's acceptable yeah. and key, right? Totally. Well, and in, in, in a statement that might actually be something of a wrapping up. Look at this. Perfect. I love it. Brilliant radio. Like, what actually matters is the moment, is the gig, is the people who are in yeah. the room at, for the ninety minutes or however long it is you're going to play for, and the interaction between you and them, and 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 between people in the audience and all the rest of it. That's I couldn't give a fuck about whether or not a show is going to yeah. advance my standing with. And the only people who care about that shit are other booking agents anyway. Yeah. Um, and 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 you know and. Uh, what, I 
okay, we did Wembley, and then a bit later, I uh, let's say I do. Well, we did the Forum actually, um, and it was a, it was a kind of an underplay, which I was a bit pissed off about because I don't like doing that because it seems a bit cheap to kind of like. It seems to encourage touting to me somehow. Right, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. but it, again, it was just kind of like what matters is not you know numbers of tickets sold or whatever. It's the fact that the people who were in that forum gig that night enjoy it, yeah. enjoyed it, and had a good time. Don't and, don't worry about what other people think because the reality is most of them or, or, or don't I worry about what other people think of you because the reality is most of them don't and yeah. aren't you can spend all this time thinking <laughs> yeah. oh what they're going to think you're probably not on their on their mind or yeah. you know it's not that big a deal no well uh, two two finishing statements then first of all um, yeah, let's go with all well, these let's, yeah. let's, let's four fake finishes four fake finishes I've I mean, kicked out twice go two, two, <laughs> two, two, one of the f- it's really easy to be in an underground band yeah. because the only people who know who you are are people who like you. And one of the things about becoming more successful is that your music gets exposed to people who don't like it, yeah. which means that people are then going to start sending you shitty tweets or whatever it might be. And, and, and you know, you want to kind of go to... Uh, there's part of me that wants to go to them and kind of go, look, I'm really sorry I didn't mean for that to come into your world. Yeah. If it's not your thing, apologies, I'll get out yeah. of your way yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. thing. Or alternatively, just don't listen to it if you don't like it. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, a really liberating thing for me was the day when I realised that not only can you not micromanage everybody's opinion of you, that there's fuck all point in trying. And uh, my friend Ian said to me, um, he said, every time you're about to argue back with somebody, ask yourself whether you really care about their opinion of you. And if they don't, then don't bother. Just let let it go. And, and and maybe that's completely fucking obvious thing to say, but it was when, when I heard that it needs first to be, time. Be said sometimes. Yeah, it, it was really it made me a much more relaxed person. I went through a phase of being quite uptight because yeah. I wasn't really comfortable with various things going on, and then it's just thought about that, and it's like every time I get a shit email or read a shit thing or whatever it might be, I think I don't care what you think. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you that's walk fine. away, that's and then you skip fine. through a field of daisies. Indeed. So, yeah, there we are. That's I think we're wrapped up. <laughs> Skipping through fields of daisies. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on. It's been <laughs> it's an been, absolute pleasure to I've sit down and chat. It. I've Where, loved it. Where um, can people uh, contact you to send you abuse? Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> my email address is on my website, frank at frank um, and, and it's I got into the habit for a little while. It's slightly sucky. It's like, and what's your website? And they go, it's uh, google.com. Yeah, 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 no. Just type um, my name in, you'll find what I you I love need. that completely. Why yeah. do people... Feel the need to give you know such yeah no no well get, get involved there's, there's, ways, there's, of there's, there's ways that you can talk to me on email and you can, there's discussion forums on my website and there's Facebook pages and um, I do occasionally reply to Twitter and 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 what is to come just, just quickly obviously the new album's on its way new album on its way before the summer I'm releasing a book um, uh, in March as well book of tour diaries type stuff yeah, amazing. which I just signed off the final edit of yesterday there's this and guy Andy Hurst who does he's tour managed. King Blues and Itch and all of them, mm. and he does. He, he, he self publishes these amazing small tour diaries type right. things that are just a regular thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to read They're that. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the great. thing. I kind of didn't occur to me initially that anyone would really care about reading about what it's like to be on tour. But then you remember that not that many people do this. Yeah, do you exactly. know what I mean? But lots of people go to gigs and yeah. people want to know what's going on behind the scenes. So if you want to know what it's really like, then you that's can get its the way book as well. Well, thank you very much. It's been an Thanks absolute me, pleasure. That was Frank Turner on the 21st Distraction Pieces podcast. What a 
monumental moment. Um, it was great to chat to Frank. Um, yeah, just a lovely, a lovely dude. I can't say enough nice things about him um but on to next week's podcast and this is where i urge you to subscribe because i'm not going to tell you it's not even next week's podcast it's this week's other podcast we're giving you two this week for free still um as we mentioned in the podcast it's mr billy bragg we talked about him a lot there he's a genuine legend in music um so an absolute honor to have him on he will be going live at some point this week but i'm not going to tell you when so the best idea would be to subscribe and set yourself up so when you subscribe it downloads automatically and then you'll just see a little red dot if you've got an iphone or you know i'm sure there's other ways on all these other ones just saying hey man that billy bragg podcast you've been waiting for it's right here right now so yeah check that out um and then we'll have another podcast as usual the week after so thank you very much for tuning in subscribe to the distraction pieces podcast and i will see you again at some point this very week see you later